Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this, the backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going well. Mo, we wouldn't even do the show if you weren't here, so Mo's got to be here. Hey, man. <laughs> how's it going, everybody? Wait a minute. You fuckers <laughs> did it without me. Now you won't do it without Mo? I'm feeling slighted. You shouldn't. It's, it's well, you got to you, you gotta keep Mo's morale up is what yeah. it is. Yeah. That was so dismissive, there's no fucking way I'm listening to you anymore. <laughs> As you probably already know, the backtrack is the episode between our regular shows where we choose a single nostalgic topic from our youth growing up as Gen Xers and dig in deep on that. And in the early 80s, if you were a fan of stand-up comedy or Saturday Night Live, or if you're just paying attention to pop culture at all, then you already know that Eddie Murphy's star was on the rise. In 1983, at the tender age of just 22, the up-and-coming comic toured the country with and ultimately released the now-legendary HBO special. So now, on the 40th anniversary of the stand-up special we were all quoting on the schoolyards, <laughs> we look back on <laughs> Eddie Murphy's Delirious. Mm. And boy, I think we all rewatched. watched <laughs> Everybody's taking a gut punch. When they hear, <laughs> I think we all rewatched it for this. Yeah, oh yeah. I remembered it differently yeah. than it was, and we're gonna get into all that. I yeah, think there's yeah. some amazing stuff to talk about here. Before we do that, oh man, I have opinions. I know we all have opinions. <laughs> Let's get into some fourth listener email. Uh, look, there's three of us. If anybody else listens, that's the fourth listener. And the fourth listener this time around is Chance A. Uh, and Chance actually hit us up, not in an email, but in a comment over on our YouTube Gen X Grown Up podcast channel, where we're pushing ah. our audio podcast to YouTube, where some people like to watch and listen. Uh, and Chance wrote in on the Gen X sitcoms backtrack from a couple of years ago, actually. And here's what Chance had to say. I used to love sitcoms growing up. I was a very active kid and spent a lot of time outside. But to this day, I can still tell you most of the sitcoms that aired when I was growing up. And if not sing, then at least recognize their theme songs. Yes. Mm. Testify, yep. Chance. Us yep. two. We get it. <laughs> as long as we've got each other. <laughs> there, there goes George now. Yep. Uh, he goes on to say, as an adult, I couldn't figure out how I knew so much about the shows that were on TV back then. But then it finally came to me that even though there were so many shows, there were so few networks back then. CBS, NBC, mm -hmm. ABC, PBS, and eventually Fox. And that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And he's, yeah. he's spot on. Right. Yeah. And he even, even mentioned, even if he got cable, it wasn't like a bunch of new sitcoms and shows. It was either sports or movies or something. They weren't making new shows. Or some weird local access thing. That that's was right. Right. Weird. It right. wasn't major TV shows. 
like we know. So yeah, no kidding. Chance, we're glad that our now, I, I didn't look, years old backtrack is still finding people, reaching an audience and sparking memories like it did for you. Appreciate that you hit us up over there on YouTube. If you would like your comment right here on the show, it's drop dead easy. You can hit up a comment over there with the uh, video version or you can email us podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one and most of them, just like chances, will eventually make the show. All right. It is time to hit the stage with Eddie Murphy's Delirious right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. We've been waiting for a long time. Yes, we've been waiting for a long, long time. We've been waiting for a long time. We're gonna one, two, three, four. We are talking this backtrack all about Eddie Murphy, Delirious. That's the full name of the film, I guess you would call it, the comedy special, whatever you want to call it. Special, yeah. I yeah. can't remember really the first time I saw this, but I can tell you after I saw it, it became part of the lexicon of schoolyard jabs and oh jokes God, yeah. and deriding other people and put downs and burns. You could use this stuff. <laughs> so many lines that we're going to talk about. And the thing to remember is that Eddie Murphy, the man, and I say man, he... <laughs> At the time of this, he was born in Brooklyn on April 3rd, 1961. So when he did this special, he was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything when I was 22 years old. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. But here's Eddie Murphy. He'd had a career. We're going to get to in a second. He had mm-hmm. been doing Saturday Night Live. He'd done all this stuff. And now he's this hit special. He's basically a boy. He's a young man that is just yeah. makes me feel like I didn't do anything with my young life, but it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Because I mean, he started doing stand-up. Like everyone knows that. Like in the late 70s, he was doing the whole stand-up circuit in New York and all those yeah. areas. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And he said that his inspiration were people like you know Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Robin Williams. Of course. You know, the big yeah. people of that time, of course, right? But then I think his big break is when he hit SNL. Right, that was in 1980 to 84. Oh, sure. oh. I actually got to see him on SNL a lot. I got to see him live during that time too, which is pretty cool. Oh, oh wow. go ahead, tell yeah. the story again. You love talking about how you lived in awesome. New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lived in New York. See, I was trying to feign surprise. John's just like, "Fuck you." <laughs> oh hey, no, we've heard gonna, it all before. We we're going to hear the story again. <laughs> yeah, we have, but maybe it's a new listener. You're supposed to bolster your co-host. There's so man. few of those in my life. I'm going to capitalize them whenever I can. You should. Yeah, no, but no. I say I got to just see my Saturday live, which was. He was just hilarious. I mean, he's just a funny guy oh, yeah. you know, overall. You know, he didn't just stick with Saturday Night Live, though. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, he transitioned into films. 1982, he did a movie that I 
Love, 48 Hours. Mm. 1983, the same year that this Delirious comes out, he also did a movie that pretty much everybody from our generation loves, Trading Places. Yeah. Oh, Jamie the Curtis. Oh, Interesting Jamie the Curtis. note. <laughs> oh, Jamie the Curtis. Yes, no, okay, please carry on. I'm just daydreaming. There's an interesting <laughs> note, though. The first film that I mentioned, 48 Hours, there's a scene uh, in the middle and then again toward the end of the movie where this band that plays this iconic song from the movie called The Boys Are Back in Town. Mo, you asked a question on the last episode about, you know, what's a song that you remember yeah. that reminds you of a specific movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Boys Are Back in Town, sung by The Bus Boys was the name of the band. That was also the opening act of Delirious. When you mm-hmm. see Eddie Murphy coming in oh, yeah. and there's a band up on stage, it's the same band from 48 hours which i thought was nice to see that he did that he catered to the people around him to bring everybody along with his success yeah well and you're watching the special and it starts with them playing and you see them on the stage but you also see some backstage right and that's the first time you see a glimpse of like well what's eddie murphy gonna do he's exciting he's energetic he's <laughs> flamboyant what can he do to push it over the top this insane red leather suit that he's wearing and this big gold yeah. medallion that is just it's almost like the red leather jacket that michael jackson wore in bad it's yeah. like I was so ask, is Emblematic. <laughs> whose was predates it? whose? Is Eddie Murphy's red leather suit come first or Michael Jackson's? Oh, I don't know. Bad was after. Bad was after. Bet, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, but yeah, it. No, it's Beat it is where the red leather suit first came in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure. It was close. Well, I'm gonna look so we know. We could have just let the audience figure it out. Oh, Beat It was February of... These were so close. Beat It was like February of 83. (laughs) So, yeah, close. Apparently, red leather suits were all the rage amongst (laughs) young famous men at the time. It was the same designer who designed both of them, and all they did was they did Eddie Murphy's, and then later on they said, you know what, Michael? We're going to make your special by adding little black stripes down the lapels. Now your suit is better than Eddie Murphy's. (laughs) And we need a bunch of buckles. Let's go. (laughs) So the special, I mean, it was on HBO and it debuted October 15th, 1983, like we were saying. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was a huge comedy special. I mean, I remember everybody, everybody had to see it. Like if you didn't see yeah. it, you were the left out kid. When we were planning for this episode, I would have sworn this was in the theater. Yeah, I did too. That was my memory, but that's not the I case. I did too. Right? Nope. Well, like I remember specifically it being on HBO because that's how I saw sure. it. But I did think as well that it was in theater. So I went and looked. I'm like, there has to be a theater mm-hmm. box office domestic yeah. gross number for this thing. There's not. But what there is is an estimation of the domestic DVD sales oh, okay. later on. So I think that probably also includes what would have been the popular medium format at the time, VHS. But yeah. $9 million in 1983 in sales. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of DVD sales. Right. Wow. Yeah. And then you got to think about the money that it brought in for HBO because oh, yeah. oh, the only place you can watch it is on our network until the DVD came out or until VHS TV, right. or whatever. Well, right? And he even right. makes mention during the concert, he's talking about how people paid these exorbitant prices for the tickets to come to it. So that's another yeah. avenue. All the different ticket sales of the concerts throughout <laughs> that whole series that he does. And he you know, makes the joke because he's taking some guy's picture or yeah. some guy's camera and taking right, pictures of the audience. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, thinking of the same moment where he's yeah. like, guy the back is like i paid all this money he's taking pictures yeah. <laughs> oh man hey you know rotten tomatoes actually gives this is an 83 on rotten tomatoes yeah. that's not bad actually huh, that's okay. fair yeah. that's surprising actually that it's that high considering you some think of the it's content. that high i you know well, i think the content in today's lens i'm surprised people have slammed it harder yeah yeah well that's an excellent point so i think mm-hmm. we should talk about that a little bit and look We've been known to use some profanity on this show. Some bit. of us more than others. Well, I want the fuck to talk about. Others. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But Eddie Murphy, especially for the time, I saw some stats. I think it was all Wikipedia I found. And people were kind of stunned when they when they came in. They're like, well, this is Eddie Murphy, Saturday Night Live. He's going to do buckwheat, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was very profane in this. I, first, let's start with just like the, the boilerplate, just the kind of language he used. Mm-hmm. He used the word fuck 230 times <laughs> and then the slightly less profane shit 171 times in like what is it, like 90 minutes or less he's like, i don't think he's, he I don't think he's like an hour isn't it i don't think even it's an hour it's like 68 is minutes it? or something like that it's yeah. like 68 minutes like a little over an hour that is a high like a fuck per minute ratio that you had to get in to get that <laughs> yeah, many that's pretty high that is pretty high and that's just that. the language then you got to think about yeah. The topics he covered were already starting to be a little touchy in the early 80s. But now when you watch it today, there's he talked a lot about AIDS. Yeah. He talked mm-hmm. about homosexuals using homosexual slurs. Making uh, fun of them. Yeah. He, he, making fun of, of, of the culture in general, of like gay culture. He imagined uh, famous characters and actors as if they yeah. were gay. What would they do? Stuff like that. Yeah. Which at the time were funny-ish, but now it's kind of it's kind of wincy to watch some of that now. Yeah. The reason why I winced was I remember laughing really hard. On those Me scenes. too. That's the problem. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I, I do. Different I mean, time. I, I'm not going to lie. I, yep. I I thought the whole Honeymooners part was funny as hell. Hilarious. Hey, Norton. Yeah. But then like, again, watching here, I was like, oh my God, I laughed so hard at this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and quoted it repeatedly. And quoted it. I was going to say, I remember specifically like redoing the Mr. T version of the joke. Like, oh, hell yeah. I don't know how many times in grade school or middle school, whatever. I was in at that point. It was embarrassing now to look back at myself and Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy's show then. It's it's horrific. That first five to ten minutes of that special are is rough. There's no question. It's horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but Eddie Murphy, to his credit, like you said, Johnny, he was 22. He was young. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was yep. full of energy and just all kinds of fame was smacking him in the face, left, right, and center. So you can understand how he would let go. Plus the culture of the society at that time was different than it is now, not quite as evolved, but Eddie Murphy, a number of years later on his own, issued an apology for yeah. the uh, the gay derogatory slurs that he used and mm-hmm. for the way that he portrayed people and fears of AIDS and all different kinds of things in that first five to 10 minutes, which don't get me wrong. He used those comeback lines later during the special. It wasn't just the first five or 10 minutes, Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. but he seemed to be genuine in his apology and having seen how Eddie Murphy has matured over the years oh God, and yeah. come to who he is, it kind of reminds me me of the things that we see now where like a James Gunn as a director gets canceled for a Twitter comment from 20 years ago and gets Mm -hmm. kicked off of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and then has to say, look, I was young and stupid. I'm Mm -hmm. more mature and I've learned and I'm a different person now. I apologize. Excellent. Yeah. 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 So I'm glad to see that Eddie Murphy had that same kind of evolution on his own. I I totally agree. I mean, people change, you know, Uh, especially from 20s, your 20 year olds to now. Um, And I read the (laughs) apology that he did and it really, I mean, what made it seem very succinct that he says, you know, he says, I look back at that. He's like, he says, I was kind of an asshole. You know, I mean, he's just, I mean, he just says that I was, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, he didn't try to sugarcoat it. He didn't try to say, explain it. He just says, I was just being a freaking jerk, you know? And, you know, he says, I look back at it. He says, I'm not proud of that. Mm -hmm. And I say, I believe him too. You know, I think, I think everybody deserves that chance to like sit there and say, okay, look, I I screwed up. I made, but I have changed since then. Eddie Murphy delirious is not Eddie Murphy nutty professor. (laughs) No, no, no. no. It's like the opposite. It's like, the, it's like the, the yep. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of mm-hmm. thing going on there. It's totally different. <laughs> 
I don't know any better way to talk about and reminisce and remember this kind of, there are so few of these like landmark comedic specials uh, that you could probably go back to. So what we decided to do is over the next few segments, we're going to each select one of our favorite bits from that. Don't worry, we're not going to try to reenact it for you. We're going to choose our favorite bits. <laughs> so talk about it and remember what we found so appealing back then and uh, having just watched it again and help you with us remember what was so cool about Eddie Murphy's Delirious. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. That's when your teacher said, Mr. Murphy, wanna come work out this problem on the board? No, that's all right. I'll take the zero. I'm going to go first and talk about my favorite okay. segments. Now, I actually picked two smaller segments. And there's a reason why, because both of these are like very near and dear to me because of the humor. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. The first one is the whole thing about mom throwing shoes. With the oh, Clint Eastwood. The boomerang. Yeah, the she's Clint, like the Clint Eastwood. Yeah, the Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, um, now, my mom didn't throw shoes, but and this is probably why it cracked me up so much. But she would like, uh, if you grew up in an Asian household at all, you know that your mom, like, there's always one set of like super long chopsticks they use for like serving and stuff. And oh. my mom would have those. And in a blink of an eye, she could hit you over the hands with them and you don't even know what happened. <laughs> right? If you're doing something wrong at the table, it's like, whap, you're like, ah. And you look and she's eating again. Like you had no idea where it came from, what happened. <laughs> <laughs> like like a, a punishment ninja that just out yeah, of the dark, like, like, you know, and you, like you're sitting here like in shock. And next, you know, she's eating, didn't say a word, uh, but the throwing shoes things just reminded me that because it's the whole, it's that it's a funny fear of parents. Like you're not really afraid, you know what I mean? But you know that like, if you do something wrong, you're going to get punished. And it just mm -hmm. seemed like very, like he, that was from experience. He didn't just like make that up. You know? Yeah. You know, <laughs> something that strikes me now, uh, both in this and I think maybe in what we're going to talk about a little later is how in tune Eddie Murphy was at the age of 22 mm -hmm. with familial stereotypes and familial archetypes that we all could relate to no matter how old we were. I'm like, he, you know, he talked about, you know, this guy, we all knew this guy. We all had this uncle kind of things, you know, it's like, <laughs> how did he know all of that? Back then well, I looked at him and he's got to be 30 something years old, but he was just a kid. Leave it to John to take the wind out of Moe's and mine sales since we were both going to be doing that in our segments. John's was <laughs> so, like, nope, no, no, I'm going to no, bring no, that point out right now. Fuck you two. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not my intent. I was just amazed that he had that kind of insight to nail that comedy like that. Yeah. I mean, his timing was really good too. I mean, his comedic timing oh, right. I thought was pretty oh, good. Yeah. I thought it was really good at this one. But but the mm -hmm. other segment that I liked that was really funny is the whole thing about the cursing in the house thing. Because oh, yeah. Mm, I the had white a friend. kids at the family farm yeah. thing. Yeah. Or you go to that, you know, you, you go away, they send kids in the city out to the country and they deal. Oh, right. I had a friend in junior high school who <laughs> said that, oh, I could curse in my house. And we're all like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, whatever. So we're all like a whole bunch of us are hanging out at her place. Her mom walks in. She just watches. Hey, mom, how's your fucking day? She says, my fucking day Whoa. was fucking fine. How's your fucking day? 
<laughs> oh my god! You saw four kids in shock. I mean, none of us could say a word. Like I, I was waiting for my dad to come through his that door and just smack me. She just were being in that house, and you didn't say anything. And just I didn't say anything. That's got hallmarks right from that skit because Eddie Murphy does that shock face, yeah, exactly. and he does the dad face if he had cussed in his own house. Oh my god! It's and oh so, man. And the, the, the thing was funny is like I know I would I. I once accidentally cursed in front of my dad, apologized. I was 37. (laughs) I mean, come on. I remember reenacting Abbott and Costello's Who's On First. And I was doing it in the car because I'd learned it so well. And there's a part where he goes, well, who's on first? Who's on home plate then? And the answer is, I don't give a damn. Right. And I remember going, well, who's on home plate? And I, mom, can I say the D word? She's like, okay, go ahead. All right. I don't give a damn. <gasps> it still felt wrong. <laughs> <He's> still <bad. laughs> yeah. yeah. And to no one's surprise, I didn't have that problem growing up. <laughs> <laughs> they were just cool with it. I mean, my mom did. My mom was like dr- drastically shocked anytime she, to this day, even like I'm 52 mm-hmm. now. If I say a cuss word, she's like, George or George Donald, she'll say. I can testify. But yep, that happens. My dad would, yeah, it roll one ear and out the other for him because that's how he grew up. That's everything that he heard and did himself. So I was kind of a hybrid child between those two types of parents. Fortunately, the one who would beat my ass was not the one who cared about cussing. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and the capper to that whole bit, Mo, was when he says, if I tried that, and you said, George, he's like, he gives a face to his dad, we go, and he reaches in his pocket, pulls out a right. Just, just boom. That boy was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just yeah. wrote it off. Yeah, done. Yeah. We'll make another. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> right. Took you in this world. I could. I brought you in this uh, world. I could take you out. Yeah, what, that's, that's uh, an old Bill Cosby line. Bill that's Cosby Cosby line. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, they're effectively saying the same thing with very different verbiage, I think. Is what yes. yeah. saying here. <laughs> and the thing that got me is that that he said, I just related to both of those things. I'm like, oh, my God, that's mm-hmm. my mom for sure. You know, mm-hmm. and I said and that's that's sure as hell is my dad, because like I said <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, though, like even I, my dad never like I never remember him cursing in front of my grandmother. Like he never cursed in front of his mom either. His you know, mom. There his you go. whole life. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just the way he was brought up. You don't do that. So again, both those skits just cracked me up. And I was listening when I was re-listening to it. I was like, I was dying again. I think it was just too mm. fun. <laughs> that's, that's a couple of good ones for sure. When we get back from the break, fourth listener, we're going to find out what George's favorite segment is from Eddie Murphy's Delirious. Stick around. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. But he put his shit on the other. Women go. Sing! That's all you got to do is sing. Michael Jackson, who can sing and is a good looking guy. 
but ain't the most masculine fellow in the world. As you can both well imagine, and our listeners probably have already figured out, most of Eddie Murphy's uh, verbiage does not bother me one bit <laughs> when it comes to how many times he said the word fuck or shit or any other of the curse words. Now, I was horribly bothered by the first five to ten minutes like we talked about mm -hmm. earlier. Uh, Mo made a comment during his favorite segment part that I kind of winced a little bit about because I don't necessarily agree, although I think okay. I'm probably in the minority on this. I don't think Eddie Murphy's com comedic timing was that good in this yeah, special. Oh, really? I yeah, felt I, like I it was it. stilted. I felt like that he used certain phrases, and I don't mean the comic punchline phrases, but phrases just uh, part of his vernacular way too often in the thing. What I did like, besides the, the jokes themselves, we got to see something in Eddie Murphy that would develop a little bit later in some of his other works, his use of voices. Now, yes. in Hell this yeah. show, yeah. I distinctly heard uh, voices that he used, like of the Jewish man in the bar in coming mm -hmm. or in the barbershop yep. and coming to America. America. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. the Mr. T voice was in there, you know, in different things that he did mm -hmm. later on. Even uh, in Bowfinger, when he plays the dual role of himself and his right. brother's character, that brother's nerdy character, I heard in this mm -hmm. special. Mm -hmm. I think the most underrated part of Eddie Murphy's talent that became highly regarded later is his ability to mimic voices of all nationalities and spectrums. He mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was a genius. This is at 22. He's doing this work. And I think one of the places where he shines and stands out with that is in a place where he's not trying to do people of different races or different nationalities or anything like that. But it's in the the family cookout drunk father. Oh, my segment. God. Oh, my goodness. In <laughs> this <Mouse>! segment, <laughs> he does he does the voice of his uncle, his aunt, his mother, his father. And his brother, Charlie Murphy, who we've mm -hmm. known from mm -hmm. Dave mm -hmm. Chappelle's show and other things. He does all these voices as well as his own childhood voice, flawlessly switching between them every single time he needs to make a move. I distinctly remember doing bits from this segment more than <laughs> any other segment. Yeah. I mean, I know I did the Mr. T <laughs> thing, but that's a fire and I can <laughs> kiss my ass. <laughs> And Goonie Google. Roll the gravel wall. <laughs> I did those things left, right, and center. The aunt falling down the stairs was yeah. hilarious. Oh my he God. Jesus, that on just long down. enough to make it uncomfortable. <laughs> my shoe. <Yeah. laughs> my shoe. My shoe. <laughs> I mean, and then the whole oh back and forth, he goes between that and he ties it all together with the drunk father part yeah. so flawlessly. It's. And even ties it back to Moe's throwing the shoe at the very end of it. Yes. Yeah. Wife throws the shoe at the father. And he's like, you miss me, bitch. <laughs> but he's, he's not his father. He's his drunk father. So he's slurring words yeah. when he's in that voice. Yeah. Oh my God. It, that part of the show timing wasn't perfect, but his voice work was outstanding. I think it even goes beyond just the voice. I mean, his, the way he carried himself changed depending on the characters. Sure. Too. Yeah. You know, like, oh, right. Yeah. You know, like, you see, like, you know, when he's playing his drunk dad, he's like hunched over a little bit and he's, you know, mm -hmm. doing, I mean, you seem like he was, he's like his whole body was kind of getting into the character. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. And I think it's important to his characterization of those people that he grew up with. John, you talk about how he was in touch with the family mm, social yeah. dynamic. I don't know that he had to figure it out. I think he just, I think he just grew into it because it's what he experienced growing up. You see a scene, not in delirious, but at the very beginning of raw, his next big special mm -hmm. where he shows himself as a young child, telling a joke about a monkey getting kicked in the ding ding. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then he's like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I 100% believe that that's what he was like as a child. And all yeah. of those experiences are what informed and developed his comedy routines, especially at an early age, because that's kind of what all comics do, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess. And you can imagine my favorite part of the family cookout was the revelation. Your wife is a Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah, I knew John was going to key in on that. He was going to come to that. I met her and she said, how you doing? Goonie goo goo. Yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that part. I don't know how I forgot, but I was watching. I'm like, oh, that's right. She was a Bigfoot the whole time. You <laughs> shaved her. And, and your little talk. children were our little Bigfoots too. <laughs> little, little big feet too. <laughs> oh man. The thing that got me with it when he's doing, especially when he's doing his dad was that there are parts of mm -hmm. it where you feel uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable. Like, like you, I've been in that family situation mm -hmm. where you you're got right. that yeah, person the drunk father is just much, going off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just saying just, and you're like, Oh God, he's doing it again. You know, mm -hmm. you know, and it was like, he was saying stuff and pe even people weren't really laughing, but it was just like, it was, it, it fit the routine for sure. Mm -hmm. But it mm -hmm. was like, wow. As I said, this is also like, this is something he saw. It's not yeah. something he's exactly right. It's, I mean, it's funny, but when you think about it like that, you're like, Ooh, his dad, probably i don't know maybe maybe you know but i'm guessing maybe his dad was a drunk maybe not always but periodically i don't know the history oh, of the man's yeah, background 100 his father was was he? an alcoholic yeah yeah so i mean he's bringing comedy out of something that likely brought him some fear and pain when he was a kid yeah and yeah. you talk about what comics do that's another thing comics do they turn their pain into yeah. laughs mm -hmm. and it's cathartic and therapeutic for them and good for them to bring some laughs with that mm -hmm. and for probably he's probably helping himself getting some demons out too i would expect <laughs> I, I would hope so. I mean, it's a solid routine. It's in mm. the middle of this 68 minute odd special. Uh, I think it's also a little bit prophetic. You know, we talked about his apology earlier. It's either just before the segment or just after he spots some very young children in the audience. Oh yeah. And yes, he's yeah. asking them how old they are. And we don't quite hear how old they are. It sounds like they're very young. And he, to both of them, he's like, Oh, you fucked up now. You're going to be fucked up for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah. after this. He recognizes that what he's doing is not what everybody expects. Cause he said, y'all thought I was going to come out here and do buckwheat and Mr. Robinson. Mr. Robinson and yeah. This is not that. Nope. And yeah. That's not that. No. He was, I think he was trying to draw a line. I think he was almost trying to cut himself off from the SNL thing so he could move on to the next part of his career. Possibly. I think he did a fairly solid job of that because it wasn't but a year after this that he moved on from SNL into feature films. Yeah. You know, yeah. and think, thinking about it now, it's almost like the model that Miley Cyrus took. She had a squeaky clean image. Mm -hmm. And to break from that, she went diametrically opposed to that image to do something <laughs> yep. much more radical, much more sexualized to show that she wasn't just that. And whether consciously or subconsciously or intentionally or not, he proved that I can be this guy or I can be this guy. I have range. I'm a lot of different things. Put me in movies, which he'd already been in movies by the time he did this, but put me in more movies, which they did and made him a yeah. bona fide superstar. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I love Mo's segment, as much as I love my segment, I think we probably ought to move on because most of our listeners who have seen this special probably have a good guess as to what John's favorite is going to be. 
three because <laughs> it's probably the most iconic segment from the delirious skit. So yeah, I can't wait till John gets to bring that to mm. us right after this. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. <laughs> it's a joke that you can tell down at school when school starts. Everybody be quiet now. Are you listening, guys? A bear and a rabbit are taking a shit in the woods. <laughs> and the bear turns to the rabbit and says, excuse me. You have problems with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says no. So the bear wiped his ass with the rabbit. I in no way meant to take any of the wind out of your sails with the uh, the <laughs> uncle and all the characters and the in touch with oh, things. Yeah, you but did. that's okay. I, no, it wasn't Goody intentional. Google. I just I was Guna <laughs> <laughs> Gugu. It's my house. It's my podcast. So <laughs> So, <laughs> I paid the bills in this motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> My favorite probably is no surprise that Eddie Murphy was in touch with this particular sketch he did. And I say sketch, it was a whole like 10 minute bit. And mm-hmm. there's so many parts of this that, again, I use over and over and over. Whether people know Delirious or not, I'll quote it and they don't know it. And that's the whole bit around the ice cream truck and Mr. Oh, Softy. Yeah. And yeah. when the ice cream truck came to town and he starts by just going... Did y'all have the ice cream truck around here in DC? Yeah, you remember Mr. Softy? And then he starts in and he touches on so many, this is what good comedy does, so many parts of the experience that we didn't necessarily talk about, but all could immediately relate to. Like, as soon as the ice cream bells jingle, you stop what you're doing and run home to try to get money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, the behavior where the, the mom is like, here, take the money and get this for your dad, get this for your brother, maybe back to change. <laughs> and all that. It's just, it's, I, mean, I remember when the ice cream truck came and if you didn't have the money in your pocket, you hauled ass in the opposite direction. And that was just the beginning of crazy stuff. And he talks about you could run all the blocks. And then he got there. He had the whole thing where somebody couldn't afford ice cream. And the little song, I got some ice cream. You can't afford it. You're on the well. You're on the well <laughs> it is, and it's cruel. Like children are cruel, but yeah, it's yeah. funny because we all either did it or had it done to us. And that's bringing the comedy out of that little pain that you had as a kid around the ice cream truck. And it keeps going. Yeah. To me, it's like when he said like how the ice cream truck would come and kids just lost their freaking minds. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's I'm like, true. Yeah. We could be in the mm-hmm. middle of a game playing something i hear the ice truck and everyone's just scattering because everyone's running back yeah. to try to get money for That's the right. ice cream truck because mm-hmm. they hear it coming oh yeah <laughs> that was the part that i wanted to ask you about mo because i think his descriptive of mm. that part where the ice cream mm. truck is coming down the road and he's yeah. freaking out about it he talks about running over to the building and his mother throwing change down and giving him <laughs> orders for all the family was that a thing that really happened for you oh, in yeah. new york my, if it did? my dad would put it in a paper bag because i lived on the eighth floor <laughs> <laughs> and it had enough change to give it weight and then he would toss it out he'd drop it off the window because otherwise I had to run up eight flights come right. by the time I got back down truck, truck was gone truck was gone <laughs> truck was gone yeah. 
And the next bit of this that I always find hilarious is something I always internally thought about, but again, never verbalized, was he talks about the ice cream man intentionally just driving a couple extra blocks to make yeah. the kids run. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is he doing that? <laughs> Whether he was or not, the way that Eddie describes it in this special is like, yes, I thought that was happening. Is that a real thing? I can see if I drove an ice cream truck every single day, I see having days where I'm like, yeah, periodically. Let's make the kids run a little bit. You know? Well, oh. I mean, especially back then i think now it probably doesn't fly like the ice cream truck every now and then goes through my neighborhood or one of the the shaved ice cone Mm -hmm. trucks or something like that we don't chase after him if we get outside when he's going by and we wave our hand and he doesn't stop we're like fuck you i'll just order it on amazon or doordash (laughs) or some shit and have it it'll be in a minute i don't have to go chasing your ass and i'm sure kids these days are the same way but what i loved about that segment was not just the song work and his mm-hmm. John or to Mo's point earlier, the body work that he did mm-hmm. inhabiting a little child version mm-hmm. of himself, the prop work he did with the mic as an ice cream cone. Oh yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Like it was so brilliant, like dropping it and fumbling it as he dropped it and then staring it <laughs> out on the ground, jumping over to the side, you dropped your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the last little bit that I wanted to talk about in this ice cream thing was when he had the ice cream. Yeah. And it was another scene that we've all had after you made fun of somebody that couldn't get any. He's like, I got some of my ice cream. You can't if you can't have a lick. And you want to lick? Psych. And you you're mean yeah, to right. the kid that can't have any. And then he drops it with the mic work, as you said. And then the other kid is like, You dropped your ice cream. Same song, different lyrics. <laughs> I think making it's fun the of the guy kid. that was. <laughs> I don't think it's another kid. It's him who dropped the ice cream, pretending that the poor kid dropped his ice cream. Oh, I always read it as he dropped his ice cream and the poor kid was now making fun singing. of him. Yeah, I thought the poor kid was making no, fun of him. I They're think both it, funny. I think it's showing okay. how kids can I think it's showing how kids can flip a situation to uh. make themselves feel better, even though something <laughs> bad happened to him. Because he's like all depressed and he jumps over. He's like, You dropped your I, and then he picks it up, kisses it, and he said, I could drop it in a pile of shit and pick up and eat it. It's just sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how too I noticed I noticed him rewatching this. The microphone, uh the cover over the microphone had a bunch of dust over it from Did him it? dropping it on from stage. It. And he's wiping it off for real as he's talking about the sprinkles. And this is mom hit him with the shoe because he's picking eating something off the ground or something. Or something. He talks about that, yeah, at the end yeah. of that segment. He's like, if mom caught oh, yeah. me eating yep. off the floor, whack. Yeah. He hit with the shoe. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was I think that's what made his comedy funny. It's like one is like he picked things that were relatable to just about anybody. You know, yeah. it wasn't like yeah. this way one group, one area, you know, whatever. I think pretty much everybody has similar experience they could laugh at it, which which again for a twenty-two year old to kind of make a routine like that, that's pretty that's a pretty sophisticated routine he came up with. Mm-hmm. So now that we've all rewatched this, before we get out of this show, and we talked a little bit about parts of it that bother us or parts mm-hmm. that we still think are funny or timing or whatever, what you thought of it before and now looking at it critically, observationally, looking back at it for this show, what is your attitude toward this special and what do you think about it? I know I'm springing this on you, so I will start while you think about it. And for me, I think that it's as funny as I remember. I had certainly forgotten, which is the problem with marginalizing minorities in general of any any group is that it doesn't impact you, so it doesn't resonate with you. So all the things that now I look back, you know, talking about, you know, the AIDS crisis and homosexuality and minorities and stuff like that, that I, well, I listen to it now and I, I'm very sensitive to it. I go, I don't remember that being in it. I certainly don't remember it being so 
in your face and yeah. blatant. It was there. It certainly was there. And it's, it's very different. But I'm judging this through the lens of 83. Uh, I can look at it. I can separate the art from the artist and also look at it in the time it was presented. And I still find it very funny. I enjoy, I watched it from beginning to end, mm-hmm. frame to frame, watched the whole thing. And I enjoyed it. I think like you, George, too, and Mo as well, you think you said, looking back now, remembering the bits that I recited for my friends makes me feel mm-hmm. bad about that because yeah. I didn't know it was that offensive. And it was a different time. But And we were kids, too. I mean, let's not forget yeah, that. We were, you know? Yeah. Still funny. Still great. I look at it now and I go, okay, it's it's you know, it's like some of the it's like some Disney cartoons that get canceled because of sensitive stuff. You know, you're like you get why, but it's not quite that quite that bad, maybe. Yeah. What about you, Mo? How, how do you think about this now having just recently rewatched it? Yeah, I mean, having watched it, one, it was it was still funny. I laughed okay. in parts. Some of the parts that we pr- talked about already, I'm like, oh my God. Like I said I just felt I just felt horrible that I was like laughing at that. <laughs> you know, mm. that mm-hmm. and I thought mm-hmm. they were, they were real and I didn't think they were just funny. I thought they were really funny back then. But overall though, I mean, I don't think it's his best work. You know, I think he, the stuff he did no, later, no. I think was better. Mm-hmm. But oh, certainly. I understand it. I think it deserves where it is. I think like what people say, like it's, it is one of the best standups for the eighties that was out there. You know, I mean, there are other ones came on and better ones have come along, but mm-hmm. it's still in the upper echelon of standup comedians at the okay. time. You know, yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, look at it from the time from the 80s. I'm like, yeah, you know, some of those jokes probably wouldn't play, but a lot of it no, no. would play today. I think it would be certainly. just as funny Large today. Large swaths of it will. Certainly. Yeah. Some of our favorite bits, I think, would play today. We, we were sitting here laughing yeah. over it now, not, not putting on a bit. It's because it was funny to us again now. Yeah. What about you, George? What are your thoughts on it now? I mean, I kind of alluded to this earlier when Mo mentioned the Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, I think that this being an 83 on Rotten Tomatoes kind of surprises me a little bit because personally I don't think I would rate this as high as that Uh, I'm not saying that Eddie Murphy is not a comedic genius I think he is but this to me is further below what he did later on with things like Raw and his films and stuff then if you look at his inspirations like Richard Pryor or Red Fox you look at their early stuff compared to the stuff later in their careers and they were mm-hmm. all kind of at that super high level they were just mm-hmm. different subject matters right I, I don't think this yeah. is that same thing um, hmm. and it's certainly not nearly as good as people who came after him that he did inspire like Dave Chappelle who I'm a huge fan of Dave Chappelle's early work is at like an eight and his modern work is at like a nine and a half for me. Mm. I would put delirious at probably like a six, maybe six and a half compared to raw being at like an eight or an eight and a half for me. Mm. And his stuff later on, especially like, obscure movies that nobody really cares about like um daddy daycare is an example yeah, yeah, i find yeah, yeah. that to be some of his best stuff because it's not just eddie murphy being funny it's eddie murphy being eddie murphy funny but in a cleaner way so it shows an evolution to the man mm-hmm. that For sure and I, shows I his range much appreciate. yeah yeah his yeah, range grew as I, well I know he's done the commercial successes. He's all, I think the only thing I'd love to see from Murphy, and maybe it's just not a thing that he'll do. I'd love to see the super dramatic kind of thing. Like Robin Williams did a turn with that. Mm-hmm. Love to yeah. see Eddie Murphy go down that road. Or like an bit. Adam Sandler go into the more dramatic stuff. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like an uncut Jim's Adam Sandler kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I would, I think Eddie Murphy would be outstanding with that because I believe he's got a lot of, a lot of history, a lot of color in him that is dying to come out. I think he's brilliant. Uh, not my favorite work of any of his, but it's a good solid effort. I'll say that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I and mean, what you said though about him like doing movies. I mean, at the time, I mean, he was just he was doing any movie that they threw at. Yeah, you know, remember Best <laughs> Defense? 
Oh yeah, I was going to say, are you talking about best defense because best nobody else is? Yeah, you were saying, but he's uh, so you know. I think unfortunately he was so successful, and I understand too. Like when you get that level of success, you want to grab it and hold on to as long as you can, right? You're going to take whatever last. you can get. Yeah, yeah, it, right. may, it may not last, you know. And I think he made some bad choices in there. Um, he didn't make many bombs though. I mean, the majority of his films are pretty solid. His name carried box office weight. Even if it was a bad oh, movie, yeah. people went to see Eddie Murphy. Is the thing that's why. Yeah, the, different people in those movies would have been bombs. I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, Golden but, Child yeah, is not a great film. <laughs> Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash was, I think, oh. it's one of the worst films ever made. But anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> I'll tell you a tiny story about halfway through rewatching this. I went down a delirious rabbit hole, and maybe you can guess we've alluded to it. But midway through <laughs> this special, he takes a guy's camera from the crowd. Oh yeah, and he takes mm-hmm. some photos of the audience, and then yes, he takes a very early dick pic. <laughs> he, he puts right. the camera down <laughs> by his crotch and snaps a photo. I did so many Google searches trying to see if those pictures have ever turned oh. up anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Did they? Like, where? I, this is a disappointing rabbit hole. I could not find, but there are three pictures. Oh, you know he paid that guy for those pictures. He took he two shots of the right crowd, the show. one shot was- of his crotch. He handed the camera back to the guy. Apparently, those photos have never turned up. In, in the age of the internet, those would never escape public exposure. No. And now- Somebody from his entourage gave that guy $1,000 in the audience for that camera. You think That's so? That's what happened. But I you, guarantee To destroy it? it? You think he didn't keep no. it for something? Think about what he said. He was taking the pictures for him of the audience. <sighs> I think he just wanted the pictures. And I think somebody from his group said, okay, Maybe. let's go buy the camera. We'll give these pictures to Eddie Murphy and we'll burn every fucking thing else in there that <sighs> could get him in trouble. See, that's what I, I would watch stupid. a documentary of somebody hunting down that disposable camera. <laughs> Like, I want to trace it. I want to see who he was, where it came from, where the camera went, and I want to see the photos. Not that they're great the photos. missing Eddie Murphy dick pic. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. the documentary yep. title. That's There you go. That's perfect. That's all I need to see. The, you know, the delirious dick pic search. That's what I want to see. Do <laughs> Kickstart it. I'm back at it. Get it ready. Oh. oh. <laughs> this is another rabbit hole. There's a part in it where somebody in the crowd says something that he drops the yeah. mic and starts laughing. Yeah, yeah. I know. What does yeah. he say? I can never I make know. it. I don't know. Don't know. No. Don't know. I I took that audio. I enhanced it in Audacity last night, <laughs> so I could see if I could hear it. And it's just muffles. There's no way to pick it up because they don't have Whatever audience mics back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really funny though. <laughs> Whatever it mm-hmm. was, it, it, it broke him. He had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, my sides hurt. My cheeks hurt. Wait, wait, wait. Like I, a... I just looked on Reddit. Well, and I actually okay I found what he's what happened. So basically, we know he... what the guy said. Or the... yeah. Okay. All right. So basically, it's just he Eddie Murphy saying like, "Oh, I'm with him out of breath." You know, he's saying I'm sweating. Right. You know, a woman yells because you do hear a woman voice first. Mm-hmm. He says, "Right, do Mr. Rob or Mr. Robinson." Right. The male voice said, "Shut up, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and that broke him and that broke him because <laughs> uh, he knew he wasn't doing mr robinson you know right it's and not gonna just, y'all didn't know it was a ventriloquist that was mr robinson either way yeah right <laughs> Oh, oh, all right. While I recover, let me take a second to thank a brand new Patreon supporter, Jeremy C. Just a few weeks ago, headed over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon, opened up his heart and his wallet and pledged a regular monthly contribution to Gen X Grown Up. 
We know it's free. We know you don't have to give us anything, but when people do, it shows that you enjoy what we do. You want to make sure we keep doing it. And that's exactly the message Jeremy sent us when he headed over there. Jeremy, thank you so much for your contribution and for your pledge of support to us. You know probably that you're joining an amazing roster of other people who have supported us for a great long time. We hope to have you there as well. Listener, if you're not already in that group and you want to join Jeremy and these other amazing patrons, just head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. They'll walk you through how to set it up and you can ensure that we keep doing what we do at the velocity we do and the quality we do for the foreseeable future. It means the world to us. Thank you so much. That is going to wrap it up for this Backtrack. We have another one coming your way in two weeks. Standard edition of our show is headed your way next Thursday. Until then, I'm John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it is you, though, that we all appreciate most of all, and we cannot wait to talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. There, there's a lot of stuff in it I don't like, but it's looking at it through the 83 lens. We, we could talk about it. This is all shit for the show. Why don't we record a show? Yeah, let's do it. What a great idea. Why don't we talk about this for a show? Right. Holy shit. Okay. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.